Listener Production. G'day, g'day. It is Antoinette Latouf, and welcome to this King's Birthday episode of The Briefing. Maybe you're like me and you don't give a hoot about the king or his birthday, but you're happy to take the public holiday. Well, enjoy the day off. Most of the country has the day off today, but I digress because today we're talking about space. Because as long as humans have been exploring space, we've been creating quite the mess out there. For decades, we've been accumulating and pretty much ignoring the growing debris from space launches. And this stuff is called space junk. And some experts predict there's a one in 10 chance that at this rate, if we keep going the way we're going, space junk will kill someone in the next decade. Obviously, as you increase the quantity of objects around the Earth, you're going to yield more collisions and that can lead to even more dangerous things. In today's briefing, I go celestial with Dr. Matt Agnew. With the massive increase in rockets launched into space, why aren't we Mary condoing that shit? But first, here are today's headlines from the Listener Newsroom. It is Monday, the 12th of June. Thanks, Antoinette. We begin with some horrific news. At least 10 lives have been lost in a tragic wedding bus crash. It's understood the coach rolled while going around a roundabout just before midnight in the New South Wales Hunter Valley, a popular wine region. While 11 people have been taken to hospital by air and road, a 58-year-old driver was taken to hospital under police guard. This loved one, Kynan Stanford, has told Nine he'd been at his cousin's wedding in Lovedale and the bus was transporting guests to their accommodation. Nice day, pretty good wedding, fairy tale stuff and then yeah we went to go get drunk and we just got the news that there's been a crash and we all started panicking. Nobody knows what's going on, just trying to figure out what's going on. The area is a popular wedding destination bringing in visitors from across the country and local mayor Jay Saval has told us it's tragic news in what would have been a joyous occasion. My thoughts are with the families and, and friends and also my, my thanks to the, the first responders that uh, have been on scene assisting. Truly horrific news that um, I'm sure we'll see in shockwaves not just through our local community but uh, the nation as a whole. Many people travel to our area from across the country to to visit tourism and and wedding destinations. So to hear that something as tragic as this has happened in what could have been a a joyous uh, occasion is um, truly horrific. Well, Paula Sinclair from New South Wales Ambulance says multiple helicopters have been ferrying the injured to a number of hospitals. We had six aircraft in total, uh, three rescue trucks, um, with patients being distributed through John Hunter, Maitland, Calvary, and, uh, and down to Sydney to RPA. Novak Djokovic has made tennis history, becoming the first man to claim 23 Grand Slam titles. The Serb has won the French Open overnight in straight sets against Kasper Ruud, breaking his Grand Slam tie with Rafa Nadal. The late Barry Humphreys has been posthumously awarded the Companion of the Order of Australia this King's Birthday weekend. The entertainer recognised for his service to the arts as a comedian, actor, author and for promoting Aussie culture just months after his death, aged 89. Well, Governor-General David Hurley says females have been represented more than ever in the general division. For the first time since the Order of Australia was established in 1975, more women than men are being recognised in the general division of the Order. 
Reaching gender parity in the order is a major milestone. Richmond player Marlon Pickett is facing a Perth court today charged over a string of alleged burglaries. It's alleged the AFL player was involved in several aggravated and commercial burglaries between December and January this year. AFL star Basha Hooley has been airlifted to a Melbourne hospital after a car crash. It's understood the Richmond player was in a ute with a friend that rolled several times near Canberra. He's reportedly suffered several injuries, including a broken pelvis and several fractures. And actor Eric Banner, surfer Mick Fanning and cricketer Aaron Finch are the celebrity sliders for today's big freeze at the MCG. Humanity is at the beginning of a new wave of lunar exploration. And yeah, it's a pretty exciting time. About 9,000 satellites currently orbit Earth. And over the next decade, there'll be more satellites launched than in all of history. So this means in space, there's a growing number of not just spacecraft, but tiny flecks of paint from a spacecraft, parts of rockets, satellites that no longer work, and objects that are a result of explosions, and it's called space junk. And there are now an estimated 100 trillion bits of it circling our planet. So my first thoughts were, well, why does it matter? Isn't there a load of room up there anyway? And of course, how on Earth, well, out of Earth, can you clean it up? Well, I can't answer these questions, so instead I'm phoning a friend who can. Dr. Matt Agnew is an astrophysicist and the author of Dr. Matt's Guide to Life in Space. Dr. Matt, thanks so much for your time. So let's start with quantifying and qualifying. It's kind of like what nerds love to do. Um, What exactly constitutes space junk and how big does this debris need to be to, to become a problem? So loosely, space junk is probably anything that's orbiting the Earth, really. There's obviously things that are kind of functional in the in the sense of satellites, but that still contributes to to junk or debris in the sense that it, it is still there and it's something that is ripe for colliding with something else. In terms of sizes, it depends on, it all comes down to the amount of energy something has, and that's going to be dependent on both mass and velocity. So the size itself can be down to in the order of a, a fleck of paint um, because of the velocities these these things are orbiting at. So the, to give you an idea of scale, the International Space Station, which is considered low Earth orbit, uh, LEO, uh, it's about 400 kilometres above the surface. And at that uh, altitude, the ISS is travelling at about 25,000, 30,000 kilometres an hour. So it's, it's absolutely flying. It orbits the Earth once every roughly 90 minutes. You're going to have velocity, which is a function of altitude. So as you get further away, you do slow down. But things in low Earth orbit, they're flying around. It's kind of 10 kilometers per second. And at that speed, something even as small as a fleck of paint can cause damage. But doesn't the galaxy have like plenty of space in its trunk for this junk? (laughs) Well, yeah, that's the thing about space, right? There's a lot of space in space. Um, But around Earth, it is still finite. It is still limited. And while at the moment there is a lot of areas and a lot of orbits that we can put things in, as we increase the amount of objects up there, it is slowly going to come up into a more densely populated cloud of orbiting debris. And obviously, as you increase the quantity of objects around the Earth, you're going to yield more collisions. And that can lead to even more dangerous things, which um, we'll, we'll tuck into a bit later. But yeah, certainly... There is space, but it is finite. It can still run out. 
Okay, so let's talk some examples of when space junk has posed a risk either to a mission or another satellite that is functional or an astronaut. Yeah, so there are tracking systems that typically satellites will have and on the ground uh, objects will be tracked to assess whether there's impending collisions. And there are collision avoidance manoeuvres that can be engaged. So the ISS that I mentioned earlier, the International Space Station, that has deployed about two or three dozen avoidance manoeuvres since 1999. In addition to that, the Starlink satellite constellation that SpaceX put up, there's, I think it's about three or 4,000 satellites in their fleet. In the two-year period over 2021 and 2022, the whole fleet executed, again, I think it's in the order of twenty or 30,000 avoidance manoeuvres. So, so there's technology already existing to avoid collisions. Collisions still do happen. Uh, sometimes they can be quite damaging and violent. One in 2007, there was a, I think this one was a US satellite um, that was collided. That got quite significantly damaged and it released in the order of one or 2,000 additional space junk objects into the orbits. Something a bit less frightening is um, in the International Space Station. Again, I use that for a lot of the examples, but uh, there's a photo you can find online that was taken by Tim Peake, who was a British astronaut. In 2016, there was a collision of a small fleck of paint into the glass of the International Space Station. And you can see the photo he took, and it's this kind of very small shatter pattern in the glass. So you can see that something as small as a fleck of paint is still impacting and causing visual damage on things like the International Space Station glass. And how worried should we be? Because there is some research that was released last year that that says that falling debris from space launches, in particular spent rocket stages, have a one in 10 chance of killing someone in the next decade. Yeah. And it's, it's one of these things, it's the power of large numbers, right? Each individual piece of a rocket separation stage that burns up and re-enters the atmosphere is is incredibly unlikely to hit a person. And in fact, they're designed to be separated and descend into orbit to hit splashdown zones in the middle of the ocean to again further reduce that risk. And then you've got the issue of, yes, yeah, space debris, where if it's in really, really low Earth orbit, it could catch enough of the atmosphere that it does de-accelerate and it does de-accelerate enough that it does re-enter the atmosphere. And something that we're not even tracking or even things that we are tracking, there's there's very little control, if none at all, of what that's going to do and what trajectory it's going to take. So while each individual thing has a very low likelihood, we've got, you know, getting up towards 10,000 satellites in orbit around Earth at the moment. You've got another 30,000 debris the size of, you know, a cricket ball or so. That's only going to grow exponentially. I think the expectation is in the next 10 or 20 years, there's going to be in the order of 100,000 satellites in orbit. And so with this exponential growth, you're going to see an exponential number of, you know, opportunities where something could go wrong, where something could crash back to Earth uncontrolled. And there is something called Kessler syndrome. And at first I thought it was like something Elon Musk has been diagnosed with, um, but apparently it's, it is not. Um, so how, how far off are we from being in that state of Kessler syndrome? So. We'll do a quick primer on what Kessler syndrome is. So it was uh, postulated by a man named Kessler. And the basic idea is, and we discussed it when we mentioned the collisions in the past, where something does collide and ejects more debris into space. So the idea of Kessler syndrome is if you had enough 
tightly packed satellites and things in orbit around Earth, you could have a collision, it ejects more bodies into space. Those additional objects then can further collide with other things, eject more bodies, and you get this kind of runaway situation of a chain reaction of collisions and debris getting ejected. And what that could result in is this kind of impenetrable cloud of small objects, debris, sharp objects that are hurtling around the Earth tens of thousands of kilometres per hour, and they can destroy anything that they impact. And if this was to happen, it kind of operates like a cage in which we can't actually leave the planet anymore because there's just such a thick swarm of debris and, and objects that could collide and destroy any effort that we make to leave the surface. That sounds like a pretty kind of worst case scenario. So let's talk about what is needed to avoid ever getting there. Yeah, it's certainly a worst case scenario and we're still very far from that. So it's not something we kind of need to actively concern ourselves with yet. But like any potential crisis, the earlier that we do intervene, the easier it is. At the moment, I think a lot of the effort needs to be around regulation. And that's certainly the steps that are being taken. I think there's additional regulations that still need to be brought in in terms of how many satellites you can orbit at a time. How can you safely remove debris that you create in orbit around Earth? Uh, how can you control orbits more accurately? Uh, just kind of develop a, a safer framework with which to put objects into space and, and potentially have some kind of allocation system to control space a little bit more so it's not just kind of a free-for-all putting objects up there uncontrolled. There's a lot of things in theory which sound wonderful but are very hard to apply. And in recent months, there have been a bunch of scientists who got together and they're calling for the international space community to, to work together to manage space junk. But how realistic is it, given that this is such a competitive space and it involves both countries, various countries, and also private companies? Yeah, I think historically, because of the whole space race stuff, there's a lot of kind of um, discourse around competing in the space area. Um, I was about to say the space space, but, you know, there's a lot of competition and countries kind of lining up to see who can reach some certain goal in, in first. The reality is typically with space, there is a lot of international collaboration already. The International Space Station is kind of a real testament to that, the fact that there's been this semi-permanent settlement of humans in orbit around space for several decades. And that's an effort from the international space community, largely driven by the US and Russia, but certainly there's the European Space Agency and the Japanese Space Agency that are involved. And so often these nations can put aside things that are happening on Earth geopolitically to continue to collaborate and work together cooperatively. And so in terms of how to actually do it, there's missions to kind of explore and try out things like shooting a harpoon at a piece of debris and trying to, you know, fish it back down, deploying some kind of net device, uh, a sail that can be used to increase drag and slowly descend something into, into Earth, ideally in the ocean. Have there been any successful attempt of getting that space junk back to Earth? No, it's still very much hypothetical things that people are trying to postulate about ways to tackle this. Like a lot of crises, humans are awful at doing things early. And so it's likely something that is going to become an increasing issue. And then that's when suddenly there's going to be resources that start getting allocated. So there hasn't been a successful removal of 
space debris. And a lot of these, I guess, answers that are being thrown around also only address large objects like large satellites that may be decommissioned or have been damaged and their deorbiting technology is no longer functional, so they need to deploy something to remove it from space. Small objects, like I mentioned, something the size of a softball or cricket ball, there still is no solution or idea about how to do that. There's certainly things being thrown around, maybe using magnetic devices or playing around with with the orbits. There's all these things that could work, but nothing has been trialed, nothing has worked successfully. There's no current solution to address that. There's there's just things to, I guess, preempt and control going forwards. How do we stop it escalating further? Dr. Matt Agnew is an astrophysicist and the author of Dr. Matt's Guide to Life in Space. So yeah, it's pretty worrying that there's a floating garbage dump orbiting Earth and it's getting fuller every year. And I guess most satellites weren't designed with the end of their usefulness in mind. And what I learned today was that not a single orbiting object has been successfully recovered from space. And God, that's a worry. And if we don't do anything about it, we will get to the point where the space junk is going to prevent human space travel, space exploration and the use of satellites in some parts of Earth's orbit. Listener.